On the block, on demand. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. I may have some news for you in a moment. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Continue standing by. Okay, not 10. 25-footer, yes! Off the glass and in! An assassin, Stone Cold! Somebody in Vegas told him they were going to win by 20! The Bills make me want to... Taylor, going to take his shot, throwing in zone, he's got weapons, touchdown! They didn't look in the This is On The Block. Here is your host, Brent Axe. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1. As my mom would say, get on that internet, ESPNSyracuse.com. You can listen via the ESPN app as well. Download on your phone, hit ESPN Syracuse in the Listen tab, and away you go. Wherever you go, we go with you, kids. going to be pretty cold wherever you go. Nice winter blast, single digits tomorrow. It must mean it's Syracuse basketball season, which is exactly what that means. So you can listen that way. You can get in touch with the show. We'd love to hear from you at 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, or use that on-the-block text line to get in touch at 288-0644. We have two guests today, and they are not just any guests. They are the two big names. They are the two heavyweights. They're the head coach of your Syracuse Football Orange, Dino Babers. Thanks, Brent. He'll be on with us. Jim Beheim, head coach of the Syracuse Basketball Orange. I feel like there should be like dramatic music behind me right now. Will join us as well. It's Head Coach Thursday on the block. Who's excited? So they will join us both next hour. Looking forward to hearing the thoughts of the start of a season for one coach and the important game coming up at the Dome on Saturday from another so it's going to be a busy little about 24-hour stretch there. Syracuse Hoops tease it up against Cornell tomorrow night. Bayheim versus Bayheim, Jim versus Jimmy. 7 o'clock tip time over on TK99 here on ESPN Radio AM 1200. Then we'll get up tomorrow. We'll be shivering from the winter blast coming in. So uh, good luck with that tailgating Saturday in single digits. It, it, I think it's going to go up to about 30 degrees. I know some hardy souls will still be outside at Shaughnessy's, but to come on in at Shaughnessy's on Saturday. We'll be back doing our pregame, baby. We've been there for a couple weeks, off week and two road games, but we will be back there on Saturday for pregame. So that's all happening. We've got the coaches on today. Would love to hear from you. Hot takes as usual to come and so much more. I, I want to start, though, with college basketball starting. There's a lot of towns there's a lot of sports fan bases, let's put it that way, that could give a rip that college hoop starts tonight. And most of will follow suit tomorrow or at some point this weekend, right? We're going to have real live college basketball games on our television screens. This is a town that does not fit that description because we do care. Now, we care mostly about our team and Syracuse, but, you know, once college hoop season starts... I think we are more inclined as a town. There are 
various exemptions to this rule because we have plenty of NBA fans in this town. But I'm somebody just having grown up here and having the Central New York roots and being more of a college hoops fan, I'm more apt to watch a random college hoops game than I am a random NBA game. That's just the way I am. I enjoy college basketball better. I will never argue that the basketball itself is better. People get offended when you say that. I, I love seeing how worked up people get. Well, the NBA, it's the best basketball in the world. It's I'm not disputing that. I just enjoy college more. I enjoy the pageantry of it. I enjoy the rivalries, the traditions, the names, the, you know, it's flawed. I like that college hoops is flawed. I like that, you know, college hoops, particularly these days, because you have one and dones and so much turnover and what these big name coaches do. And that's who stands out in college basketball, right? And this year is no different. You know who the best teams in the country are? Duke, Michigan State, Kansas, Kentucky. I mean, ho-hum. You know, Wichita State could work its way in there. There's always a surprise or two, but See, what I'm curious about this year, though, is how people will view and watch college basketball because of all the outside influence on the sport this year. We care about the game. I think we're getting ready and anticipating the games. Not that any of this knock on wood has touched Syracuse, but there's FBI investigations. There's Rick Pitino's situation at Louisville and You know, there was conflicting reports today about whether or not he knew exactly what happened in that hotel room. NBC News and I want to say, yeah, there was an ESPN report said a new indictment unveiled that he knew what was happening in that hotel room. But the Louisville Courier Journal, boots on the ground, local journalism wrote something today that said, no, that's not new. So one way or the other, Rick Pitino's not there. And that's still a team that could be pretty good this year. So all the brand names are the same. Nothing's really different. But how will college hoops kind of wade through these turbulent waters? Because most people don't care anyway until February, right? People kind of parachute in in mid-February and, okay, who are the bubble teams? And then the tournament starts and everybody fills out a bracket. And for a couple of weeks, everybody cares about college basketball. Until then, it's just kind of pockets of passionate areas in this country, Syracuse, New York, and Tobacco Road, and, you know, Lansing, Michigan, and, you know, Kansas, and and certain pockets where Louisville, certainly, where the interest in college hoops spikes. Now, of course, here to save the day is Jay Billis. I don't know if you read Jay's piece today. I would highly encourage you to do so where it's Jay's big, like, college basketball preview, but he really lays out, and what do the kids say, fire emoji? He really lays it out here how to fix college basketball. That's hot. Yes, exactly. It takes some direct shots at some people, Mark Emmert included, the uh, head of the NCAA. So here is, as he writes it himself in his own unique way, here is the Illustrator's handy opus guide to a complete and healthy overhaul of the deeply flawed and troubled NCAA and its antiquated and overly complicated rulebook. As always, you're welcome. You got to love Billis. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I'll give you the points. And you wonder if something like this would work. College basketball needs a commissioner. And as Jay writes here, basketball is the NCAA's biggest, really only, revenue generator. In 1984, college football effectively broke away from the NCAA control to operate separately from the NCAA office in Indianapolis. Therefore, since basketball is the NCAA's only real cash cow, 
Basketball should have its own separate governance structure. College basketball is a multi-billion dollar industry and should be governed in such a fashion. A new rule book for basketball, Jay writes. Not rules on the court of play, but rules about Division I basketball. Throw out the old rule book, which is pretty thick, gives War and Peace and Moby Dick a run for its money. Just overhaul it and simplify it. He says Division I basketball must contract. No reasonable person can possibly believe that Division I is not far too big. There are 351 Division I teams in men's college basketball, and that is ridiculous. Division I should be reduced to approximately 120 teams. That is where football is. It's hard to build a Division I program, get in a top conference, compete, and it should be that way. Jay brought up how football separated from the NCAA pretty much in 1984. That's a great point that Jay makes there because, you know, one of the rare misfires that Jim Beheim has had in recent years was when he suggested they expand the NCAA tournament. What was it, 96 teams? I mean, we're barely getting over the finish line at 65, 66, filling out the first four these days. At the time, you kind of said, whoa, what? No, no, that's that's a no right there. Under Jay's theory, let's cut it back to 120 teams. Not that I would want to expand the tournament. That would be half the field of college basketball in the tournament, though. So uh, maybe we can up that number to 200. I don't know, but I'm certainly not opposed to contraction. And he goes on to talk about a reformed adjudication system, exit the eligibility business, a dump amateurism, the old uh, pay the athletes debate, immediate resignation of Mark Emmert, the head of the NCAA, explains that. But, so all that's hanging over our head. That's got to be fixed and what is still to come from the FBI investigations and everything that is circling around the sport. But then Jay gets into his national championship favorites, Michigan State, Duke, Arizona, Kansas, Kentucky, Wichita State, Villanova. Stop me if you heard that before. The more things change, the more they stay the same. You know, North Carolina is going to be in that conversation again. Louisville, USC is loaded this year. Florida's loaded this year. There's a couple teams in the ACC you got to keep a close eye on other than the usuals, namely Miami and Notre Dame. I picked Notre Dame today to go to the Final Four in my Syracuse.com College Hoops prediction sure to go wrong, which we'll get into a little more in depth later in the show. So my point in all this is I don't know what's really going to change because look at all the controversy that's surrounding the National Football League. It is affecting, and the NFL is a much bigger you know, gorilla in this discussion, but think of the ratings being down and revenue being, it's not down, but it could be affected and sponsors are, are nervous and Jerry Jones, this will not succeed, but he's trying to block Roger Goodell being the commissioner. I mean, the NFL is just ripe with controversy. Then you look at college football and college football is thriving. College football is three games this weekend that are off the charts insane involving top 10 teams. Notre Dame-Miami, TCU-Oklahoma, Georgia-Auburn, just meaty football games that mean something and are entertaining and you don't get any controversies there. There's no anthem controversies. There's just, you know, football always has the whole concussion thing surrounding it. But college football just seems to be this pure world we can drop into. Like, ah, back on campus. Well, how's that going to work for college hoops this year? 
Because the people that watch college hoops in November, December, January, and February, they're not going anywhere. They like college basketball for a reason. They're people like us. That's what gets us through the winter here. Tomorrow, when it is literally in the single digits, I'm telling you, watch the weather, going to be cold on your way up to the Dome tomorrow night and tailgating Saturday for Wake Forest. That's what we do. Winter comes, all right, college basketball time. No controversy at Louisville, Arizona, Oklahoma State, Auburn, Bruce Pearl not uh, participating in that investigation, by the way. Yeah, I'm going to have to call you back on that. Might cost him his job if he doesn't come around. But in Kansas and North Carolina and Syracuse, New York, in the hot spots, even with all the controversy, you think Louisville fans are just going to shut it down for the year? No, they're going to watch. These are very serious charges being thrown out there. There's major changes to be on the way soon in college basketball. But the beat will go on because the people that watch college hoops now are the people that watch college hoops now. The people that don't watch college hoops until March are still the same. So nothing changes if nothing changes, right? All the same teams are vying for the national title, Final Four, Rank status with a couple noted exceptions. There's always some kind of scandal or controversy. This one's pretty serious, but we're still going to watch. And the people that don't watch aren't going to watch till March. So what's really going to change? 437-7644, Brent Dax Media on Twitter. The text line, 288-0644. We'll break on that note. We'll stay on campus, talk a little college football next, specifically Syracuse and Wake Forest. Coming up, hot takes on the way. And don't forget, next hour, Jim Beheim and Dino Babers will join us. Stay right there. You're on the block. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. it is. Welcome back. Glad to have you here. How's your Thursday going, huh? Ready to hear from Coach Babers and Coach Beheim? The law firm of Babers and Beheim coming up next hour. We got them for you. Looking forward to that right now. Hit me with that fancy open. Let's do this thing, baby. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for hot takes on the block. Ah, the anonymous comments are coming out, kids. Anonymous comments serve their purpose. Not everybody can go on the record for fear of retribution by their boss, by the public, by uh, for public safety reasons. You know, people do this a lot. They rip sources, air quotes, and anonymous sources. And I try to avoid using anonymous sources because I like people to put things on the record. But, you know, sometimes you, you know, for one reason or the other, people want, uh, let's see if Brent can say this word properly, anonymity. That is correct. Thank you. It's one of those words I have trouble saying. I try to avoid saying, but I kind of needed to in that sense. So uh, two players anonymously told ESPN's Josina Anderson, quote, McAdoo has lost this team. He's got us going 80% on Saturdays before we get on a plane to play a game. It's wild. Changed our off days. Dishing out fines like crazy. Suspended two of our stars when we needed them the most. Janoris Jenkins and Dominic Rogers Cromartie goes on to say, quote, uh, let's see, throws us under the bus all the time. He's ran us under the ground and people wonder why we've been getting got. 
I like that uh, quote, getting got. Uh, it's, and we're halfway through the season here. Uh, we should also note that uh, that quote in this one from a second player who requested anonymity. That is correct. Boom! That's twice. Told Anderson, guys are giving up on the season and nothing's being done. Guys just don't care anymore. Both of those comments were made before the Giants lost to the Rams over the weekend by the mere score of 51-17. So circling back to those players, one saying that Coach McAdoo, quote, didn't really have anything for us at halftime of the game, and the other saying, quote, I feel like we really don't got a leader in Coach McAdoo. On Wednesday, Giant safety Landon Collins disputed the notion on the record that McAdoo had lost the team, saying, quote, McAdoo has been leading the same way he led last year, so I don't knock the way he's been doing things. Finding people like crazy, question mark? If you don't follow the rules, you get in trouble because you got to pay consequences. I wouldn't say he lost the team. I have the utmost respect for him. He's been doing a great job just trying to figure it all out like we are here. Clearly, there's a divide in a locker room. There's a split in the locker room, and that happens when you lose. And I think Landon Collins did a nice job calling out those guys. You get fined because you don't you break the rules. That doesn't change win, lose, draw, or anything in between. I think we all know that the barring some kind of amazing turnaround, that Ben McAdoo is out, Jerry Reese is out, the Giants have already made it clear that they are scouting quarterbacks, maybe Davis Webb can step in here at some point, but there's a lot of big fish in the quarterback pond of the 2018 NFL draft, if Sam Darnold comes out or not, if Josh Rosen comes out or not, which he will, and Lamar Jackson will be out there. I read a great uh, quarterback analysis piece today from our friend Pete Thamel at Yahoo Sports, and despite the fact that when he plays competent Division One teams at Wyoming, Josh Allen's still going to be out there. So the Giants have to play this smart. Timing is everything, right? And the timing is you got to hit the reset button. That's hot. So there were conflicting reports on this today, and I wanted to bring this up because that's half the battle here. Who's reporting it and how? And these were credible sources that put it out there. Now, According to two reports that were out there today, NBC, ESPN, a wiretaps from a Vegas hotel room revealed conversations between Rick Pitino and James Gatto, Adidas rep, concerning payments to Brian Bowman and his family. Now, the original complaint that was put out to the public read, quote, Dawkins said he had spoken with, air quotes, Coach 2, who has been reported to be Pitino, about getting additional money for Bowen's family and informed Pitino Quote, I need you to call Jim Gatto, who's the head of everything at Adidas. In an interview with ESPN last month, Patino reiterated he had, quote, no knowledge of any payment to Bowen's family and even cited a lie detector test that he took in October. Now, the Louisville Courier-Journal came out today and said, that's not true. That's not new information. Coach 2 is Patino, but it's the same indictment that was unsealed. So there's kind of conflicting information about that and who know what and 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 how they knew. And I, I brought it up at the during the monologue. Look, Louisville fans are still going to show. They're still going to watch their team. That's still a pretty good team that David Padgett will coach. Don't forget Greg, Greg, uh, Greg Paulus is now on that coaching staff as well. No matter who knew what when, the, it was too late for Patino. There's only so many times you can be given the benefit of the doubt on this stuff. Would he even, you know, and people would say, well, how's he supposed to know what's happening in a hotel room in Las Vegas? My answer to that is, why would that assistant coach with a program under probation already 
feel he could do that and get away with it? Was he that desperate to bring in that recruit and say, look what I did, coach? But when it comes to recruiting and pursuing players and offers, the big stuff, the head coach knows. It's not one of those plausible deniability things. Like The head coach knows. If kids are asking for money, they know. So did he know everything? Maybe not. But there's only so far we can take this before, like, Rick, if you didn't know, you need to know, especially stuff like that. When will then be now? Soon. That's hot. I, I just I had to throw that in there. So here's what Vegas thinks about the upcoming college basketball season. Duke is favored to win, surprise, at 3-1. to one. They are followed by Michigan State and Kentucky, who are each 6-1. to one to win the national title at William Hill's Nevada Sportsbook. Arizona, at 8-1, to one, is the only other team with single-digit odds. Duke and Michigan State are 4-1 to one co-favorites to win at the Westgate Superbook. Now, Michigan State opened at 20-1 to one to win the national title and have been supported heavily throughout the offseason. More bets have been placed and more money has been wagered on Michigan State to win the national championship other than any other team at William Hill, CG Technology, and Caesars Palace Sportsbook for entertainment purposes only, of course. The Spartans have the most bets at the Westgate, but Duke has taken in more money. Think how much money you got to bet on 4-1 to odds to win, by the way. It's not like if you had, you know, Syracuse prior to the 2003 National Championship season was over 200-1 to odds. Can you imagine if you got in on that? Or if you got in on, you know, even like a team that's, if, look at, I don't have the complete list in front of me right now, but who's a team that's like 50 to 1? Let's Wichita State right now. They're probably 20 to 1. That's where you can cash in here, you know, theoretically, for entertainment purposes only. But to take the favorite and, and where all the money's going, you got to put a ton down just to cash that in. But that's hot. it's also a smart play because, I mean, if I gave you Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State, or the field to win the national title. Which category are you going in there? Hey, it's 444. If you've been hurt in a car, call William Attar. 444-4444. William Attar is a proud sponsor of Syracuse Athletics. This is Draymond Green. Oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to play this clip first. Uh, While we're on the subject of college hoops and the NCAA and what's going on, So Georgia Tech UCLA is set to play in China. Three UCLA players currently under investigation for shoplifting, and Georgia Tech had a major sponsor, booster, supporter, however you want to put it, admit that he gave impermissible benefits to Georgia Tech players, friends with Josh Pastor, the head coach, and has receipts. So Jeff Van Gundy had something to say about all this last night. Let's listen. Why is UCLA and Georgia Tech in China to play a basketball game? missing all that school and then force feeding their fans the idea of student athletes and if it's such a cultural excursion what's UCLA doing in the Louis Vuitton sunglass section they can do that in Beverly Hills you're in charge of that league I'll tell you what the answer is money they're trying to sell something to get more money Part of the Pac-12 initiatives to play in China. They've done that every year now for the last few years. So you don't like that? You don't like them going overseas to play? Well, then stop the nonsense about student athletes. 
and I know they have tuners on there and all that. They're always going to get fed the same lines. Now, remember, Jeff Van Gundy did coach in college at one point. And uh, let's see, off of that 52 seconds of audio, what do we think? Are we going to go... Let's let's vote. Are we going to go this? That is correct. Or are we going to go slow clap? What do you guys think? Take a vote on that. I, I vote slow clap. Eighty slow clap for Jeff Van Gundy. Got to pick it up at the end. Got to pick up the pace. Got to get some moves in there. Woo! Throw it to Lucas. Jeff Van Gundy, ladies and gentlemen. That's hot. That's my man. This is Draymond Green on Steph Curry. He's pretty good. Draymond, I know it wasn't Steph's best game, but he almost had a triple-double in this one. How good has he been? triple-double. You're used to those. Uh, how, how good has he been at the beginning of this season? Is is he peaking? Is How does he compare to these? Peaking? Yeah. He's, his numbers His numbers are crazy. Are they? Yeah. I've seen crazier. Yeah. Um, in terms of how he's however playing. he's been he's been playing well, uh, but yeah I've seen him do way more. Peaking that's just ridiculous to say. Advanced numbers. Oh, peaking. Yeah, but peaking though. <laughs> plus fourteen, like his plus minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Yeah, he's going to beat it. All right, peaking. That's just ridiculous to say, bro. <laughs> All right. That is a great exchange right there. The reporter had numbers. Draymond's coming back at him. Right, peaking. Come on, bro. What are you talking about? Plus 14. Take your numbers, nerd. Peaking. Who are you kidding? That was a great, well done. I'm not going to give the slow clap, just a regular clap. That was a good exchange. You got to come with it, man. You got to take on Draymond Green. That's hot. But is Steph Curry peaking? Uh, no. No, he is not. And I wanted to note this because I'm going to read this and you're going to be like, why does this matter? So let me read this and you're going to say, why does this matter? On November 16th, the Titans Steelers will be broadcast with Skycam Thursday Night Football on NBC. Quote, we are excited to present a game with the majority of live action coverage coming from Skycam said NBC executive producer Fred Gidelli. After pivoting out of necessity to Skycam in the New England fog, remember the fog game a couple weeks ago? We've been aggressively planning and testing with the intent of utilizing the system for a full game. Okay, well, why do we care about that? Here, I buried the lead. Quote, younger generations of NFL fans have grown accustomed to watching football from this angle through their love of video games. This telecast will have a look and feel akin to that experience. That is the key statement there. There is an entire generation coming up. That's how they view football. That's how they see football. That's how they experience football. And then when they watch football on television, they're confused because the angles are off. So I cannot wait for all the people that are a little bit older. And, you know, people of that generation typically are not on social media. But I I, I just cannot wait for the social media complaints about the new camera angle, and then people of a certain age, of a younger generation, that are used to it are going to be like, what took you so long? That's how they see football. All this technology, I remember watching that Bears-Eagles playoff game, fog game. They didn't have a sky cam to get in there, and you just had to kind of, back in my day, you just had to deal with the fog, right? 
But that is how a younger generation sees football. And that's, you know, you know, the, the NBC Sunday Night Football, and I'm not sure if Monday Night Football does this too, but you can get on NBCSports.com. You can pick the camera angle. There's all this stuff out there that people are slowly starting to realize. It's not just you have to, you know, and ESPN does this for the national championship game. Dino Babers was a part of this coverage. Here's a football game. Here's a football game on another channel with 10 people in a room sitting around watching it. Here's another, here's the same game on another channel with five coaches sitting in a room, breaking it down film room wise. And here's the game on another channel with no play by play. And here's the game in another channel with 20 other bells and whistles. It's like, the old man on the porch is sitting there, I just used to watch football. And I used to have to take the bunny ears and hold it just right, just so I could see the football. You darn whippersnappers. Now it's like I can get on and pick what camera angle I want. I can sky cam it. I can replay. I, I mean, we're spoiled. We are spoiled is what it comes down to. The beauty of technology, my friends. Ooh, I got an email. 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent X Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. We will take a break. We will come back. Big 5 o'clock hour. Both head coaches coming on. Jim Beheim, Dino Babers. Heard of them. We'll look at some hoops predictions put out today. Sure to go wrong. And much more. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. That it is. Welcome back, everybody. Here on the block, as the voice man told you, 437-7644 if you want to join the pote. We're going to hear from Coach Babers coming up in about 15 minutes, our weekly chat with the head coach. Just heard from Coach Bayheim. If you missed that, we'll put uh, both those interviews up at ESPNSyracuse.com. We also uh, would encourage you to subscribe on iTunes. Oh, yeah, the iTunes. All the hip cats are on the iTunes, man. Just hit that subscribe button, find ESPN Syracuse, and we'll uh, send you the best of this show, Orange Nation in the Booth, with Matt Park and the Daniel Baldwin Show. Right to your iPhone or iPad, you hit subscribe, and they just keep coming, right? You don't have to do anything else. That's all we ask of you people is push a button. Just push the subscribe button. That's it. Now, I can uh, give you the panel's predictions here. Uh, by the forcible hand of sports manager Jason Murray, uh, we had to make some predictions on Syracuse.com for basketball. And these I did sort of get in on time. I don't think I owe donuts for these predictions. But anyway, I'm losing track of that. I could just tell you the predictions. I could just tell you what myself and Mike Waters and Donna DeToda and Chris Carlson and the great Dennis Nett and Jason himself, I'll give Jason credit. He throws himself in the fire and makes these picks too. I could do that. I could do that with the Benny Hill theme behind me, which is suitable considering how these predictions will probably go. So my cho- my choice is to do it this way. We'll start with me. I have the Orange going 19-12 and 12 this season with expert commentary provided. Syracuse needs to find success in non-conference play. There are a few big fish in that pond with Kansas, Maryland, St. Bonaventure, and Connecticut on the slate, and don't sleep on Oakland. Uh, Carlson's got Syracuse going 17-14, and 14, saying that they need to refocus efforts on defense, and the Orange roster seems like it'll have significant trouble scoring in half-court situations, meaning if things go well, the Orange will play a lot of low-scoring, close games that could break either way. 
All right, Donna's got Syracuse at 18-13, to 13, saying she's not sure who will score for Syracuse. I'm not sure how the Orange generates points in the half court. These are major concerns, but I think defense, which was awful last year, and rebounding, which was pretty bad too, will improve. That can help offset a team that struggles to score. Uh, Jason Murray, in a shocking twist, the most optimistic of us all at 20-11. and 11. And he even says it. I know, this is wildly optimistic. But I'm banking on a few things. I think O'Shea Brissett is going to average right around 15 points per game and get better as the season goes. I also think Merrick Doljai and Barama Sadaibi are going to defy expectations and provide useful minutes as freshmen. What kind of Jedi mind trick is he pulling there? Uh, the great Dennis Nets is 18 and 13. The Orange will struggle with so many new players and incoming freshmen. Redshirt freshman in a transfer. It's going to take a while for this team to gel. And who can step up besides Tyus Battle? Mike Waters, 17 and 14, saying I initially had Syracuse with a couple more wins, but nervous about a young team that's going to face some experienced teams early in the year. Will the Orange be ready for teams like Iona, Oakland, St. Bonaventure? Mike has the Orange at 8 and 10 in ACC play, which means a 9 and 4 non conference record. That'll put you right on the bubble. Uh, quickly, we were asked who we felt our most important player was. I went with the obvious. I mean, I went with Tyus Battle. Carlson went with O'Shea Brissett. Donna says Frank Howard. Jason went with uh, O'Shea Brissett as well. We got another vote for Tyus Battle from uh, Nettie. And Waters also with Tyus Battle. I mean, you know, most important player can, can mean one of two things. Tyus Battle does what he's supposed to do. Or you find that second guy, that complimental scorer. I mean, Frank Howard's got to run the point. And O'Shea Brissett, as talented as he is, has to get used to being a college basketball player, admittedly nervous getting out there, and just has to gel and get used to things. There's just so much that has to come together before you get into those meaty non-conference games. And I'm telling you, one of them's next week. Iona is an experienced team that has made the tournament in recent years. Don't sleep on them. Don't sleep on Oakland. And nobody's sleeping on St. Bonaventure. They've got one of the best guards, one of the best backcourts, period, in the country, and they're going to push Syracuse late in the year. And then, you know, Kansas, Maryland, UConn, Georgetown, tough games. And it all starts tomorrow against Cornell. So we put out the Pat signal, and Pat in Syracuse uh, wants to chime in on all of this. Patrick, how are you? I, I'm very good. Brent, how are you? You know, I'm, I'm surprised that Donna put Frank Howard, because let's do a football thing. Okay. Your most important player is your quarterback unless you have like a really good backup or or your starter's not that good, so on and so forth. So to me, I would never put Frank Howard in that spot because, I mean, people, I mean, you just said it yourself, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm, I'm saying this this job is Thorpe's to lose. It's not Frank Howard's. I mean, I don't know who he's starting. He might start Howard. I mean, he's going to start Chuku, which I, I, I think is the reason we're getting off the slow starts because, the offense runs much better with Sidibe. He knows when to set the picks. He knows when to get in the lane, get out. He's uh, he's far superior to Chuku. And I had this discussion with Mike Waters, and, and he said it's too early to say. And I think it takes about three minutes for my ten year old to watch these two guys play <laughs> and know that Sidibe is far superior. I mean, so at any rate, for for me, look, I think Frank. I hope Frank is better, but I'm not putting all this 
all the chips in in the one basket with, yeah, with uh, Frank Power. You know, the issue right now, of course, is Thorpe's ankle, and, and Jim just told us four minutes sure. ago, you know, he's got to get back in, into practice. He's 18 days behind. But, yeah, once we get into the rhythm of things, he's a veteran player who, correct me if I'm wrong, led South Florida in scoring last year, and you know, Frank Howard has to prove that the confidence is there. I think Jim's got to give him a little more rope to run things and not yank him at the first sign of trouble. But, you know, I, I asked Jim Beheim this last year, and, and he laughed me off the radio. I don't know if you remember that, about oh, the I positions. Yeah, the positions that Battle can play. And, you know, are there times maybe he's not the point guard, like the designated this is your position? But, I mean, he's running the show out there. So he's almost like the de facto point guard in a way. Yeah, I, I'll just leave you with this. Um, I'm. Pretty. I mean, it's only been two exhibitions, and then the uh, Midnight Madness 2.0, whatever it was. But I was just from seeing these guys three three times. I, I'm pretty happy with everybody, but I think Moyer's a little rustier than I thought, and I, I think Sidibe's better than I thought. And I was high on him, and I would take Percent right now, today over over what Leiden brought to the table. Leiden's a better shooter and maybe a better passer, but other than that, I'll take Percent. And I'm, 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 I think he's that, that. That'll be our discussion in five months. Is what's going to happen with him because he keeps playing the way he's playing. He's he's got it, Brent. You don't have to be an expert to watch him play. For oh, five he does. Wow, well. he does. Yeah, I, he, I agree with you, it. Pat. I, I I have watched. And thanks for the call, as always, my friend. We put out the, uh, the Pat signal. Must be basketball season, right? Must be single digits tonight, and we got real hoops at the dome tomorrow night. And we do. And I think if you didn't see the exhibition games or were not at the orange and white scrimmage. I mean, O'Shea Brissett's one of those guys, to use Pat's analogy, you watch him for five minutes, oh, okay, yeah, that kid's good. He can shoot, he can get inside. It's the intangibles that you got to wonder about. He admittedly said he's really nervous before games, and, you know, when the crowds get bigger and things that freshmen have to go through, you can't practice that. You can't anticipate those things. Talent-wise, though, you want to talk about upside and what kind of player he can develop into – and could be that, you know, Robin to Tyus Battles, Batman, different position. But, you know, Torian Thompson was going to be the solid number two, reliable scorer, athletic guy, terrific around the basket. O'Shea Brissett could be that guy. I'm wondering about Frank Howard, but I think Pat made a great point about Sidibe. He's a lot better than I thought. He's a lot more polished than I thought. He plays his butt off down low. And I think he's going to earn some minutes. I think he's going to have the opportunity, certainly, to earn some minutes. Pascal's hard to ignore because he takes up so much space in the zone. They're both great shot blockers. But I think there's a there's a healthy little competition there between those two. And there's a guy, I think, that, that could get some more minutes than maybe some anticipated. 437-7644, Brent Dax Media on Twitter. The text line, 288-0644. So we will take a break. Our weekly chat with Dino Babers coming up. Looking forward to that. Thank you. Bye-bye.